I do think that like that fear of vulnerability and the fear of like losing power in a context where that power makes you feel safe feels the same as like your instincts telling you this is a bad thing to do. Accessible. Relational. Creative. An experience that they will remember. Community. Curiosity. Vulnerability. Empowerment. On their team. Hello, and welcome to Pedagogy Pulse, a podcast where we talk with Northwestern instructors, from grad students to tenured faculty, about innovative teaching practices that they're implementing in their classrooms and course design. I'm Jazz, I use they, them pronouns, and in this, our third episode, I will be speaking with Stephanie Nez, Associate Professor of Instruction in Chemistry and faculty at Northwestern since 2017. Steph will be sharing about her practice of offering instructor vulnerability toward creating a more inclusive classroom where students feel safe bringing their full selves, asking for help, and even making mistakes. Specifically, we'll be discussing a moment of vulnerability on the first day of class, when Steph shares various aspects of her identity beyond her professional history. This one small shift in her practice has had a significant positive impact on classroom climate without requiring a large amount of time or energy to employ. And we'll get into the what's, why's, and how's of that practice during the episode. We'll also touch on the ways this practice fits into a larger project of increasing healthy vulnerability in the classroom, as well as some extensions to these kinds of practices that Professor Nez is pursuing this year. So, let's get started. I began by asking Steph to describe her identity sharing practice. Right. So on like the first day of class when it, you're doing like the syllabus review and kind of talking about what the class expectations are, I just usually start off by saying, I'm going to actually introduce a couple of things about myself. And I, I am pretty transparent about like the reason why. And I even say like, this might feel uncomfortable because it's a weird context to talk about me. But students have told me that, you know, they feel like I'm more approachable and I really want to like be a good resource for you. So that's why I'm doing it. So I kind of like frame it and I'm transparent about it. And then I just describe several different things. Like one of them is like, I come out as queer, but I just say, you know, I'm a queer scientist. I am the faculty advisor for OSTEM at Northwestern. And so I describe that, but I talk about a couple things about my family, some things about community involvement that I do and again it's just like three or four pictures of things and I just kind of like takes five minutes or something and just lead with that I talk about like where I grew up where I went to undergrad grad school and now I'm here and I'm very grateful to be here and you know feel very privileged to be like doing this with you all and that's essentially what it is it influences a lot of other things about how I teach but it really is just a short little moment usually on the first day of class Great. Yeah. And how did you how did you decide to do that? Or have you always done that in your teaching? Yeah. So I guess my first year, which I was te uh, a teaching postdoc, but I was teaching these like large lecture classes. And what I was seeing was, I mean, I was seeing the fact that students felt like very overwhelmed and also just at Northwestern in particular, they felt like their professors were like kind of inaccessible to them. And I was feeling as a new instructor, like, I didn't know what level of like approachability. I obviously wanted to be approachable, but I didn't know like how kind of 
to overcompensate, to be like authoritative in the classroom because I was young and I was new and I was like insecure. So I didn't really know exactly how to like gauge that out. Then I kind of thought about my experience in college and I went to like a small liberal arts college where I ended up knowing my professors pretty well. And I know that that was instrumental to my like ability to, you know, go to grad school and like be successful subsequently. And so I guess it just kind of occurred to me to do something like this. And then the other part of it, really what motivated the decision to do it in the moment was I, at that point in my life, I was just like learning a lot about my own identity. So, I mean, I was like sort of like recognizing my own like queer identity and like lots of other things. And I was like, I'm 28. Like, why did this stuff not occur to me earlier? And I realized that I think I constructed my whole identity kind of around my like career and being like a sciencey person and completely subconsciously I put limitations on what that could look like because of what I had been exposed to right so it wasn't that I was like actively suppressing parts of my identity because I thought I would be like excluded it wasn't like a conscious thing but it was like my perception of myself fit into a particular box and so I was reading a lot of things about like visibility of different identities. And I was like, there might be something to this. So I just, you know, tried it one time and, and I got a really good response. And then I just kept doing it. Yeah. And has it changed at all in the way you do it? It did start like it started. It was a little bit more of like a coming out focused thing. And over time, I've started to include different things about myself because obviously like there's many elements of one's identity. I never occurred to me to like talk about being like a first generation college student, but that's like extremely relevant to like a lot of students in my classes and, and, you know, all of our classes and especially as Northwestern sort of changes the student demographic somewhat intentionally, like it's really important, I think, for students to kind of see themselves in some ways or just at least know like resources that they have. And then I've started talking again a little bit more about like things that I do in my like local community because things that are a little more active, I think, speak to our values more than just like social categories. So I think that both of those things are important. So I've like added a little bit, nothing, you know, that takes a whole lot of time, but it's sort of changed in terms of like what the focus is and like what revealing different things accomplishes, I guess. And you mentioned you got a positive reaction. So, yeah, what have you noticed about student responses to this? So it's a range of things. Like, certainly the initial reaction was a lot of, like, my queer students saying, like, I've never had some, – some people say I've never even had, like, a non-cis male professor in science. So that's a start. But then a lot of people say, like, I've never had a professor who's queer. I've never had like a STEM professor who's queer. And like that meant a lot to me to see that. So those are like the more direct things. But I've also had students sort of say, like, it made me feel a lot more comfortable coming and talking to you, which is which is ultimately the what I want to accomplish. Right. It's like as far as like I'm here to teach, it's not like about me it is about my students experience so the fact that they are like more comfortable you know seeking out resources and especially like coming to office hours and 
making mistakes in office hours. That's like the thing that I want. Like if I can do anything to make students comfortable with that, I will do it. And so I think that, yeah, just positioning yourself in a place of somewhat vulnerability and like, hey, I'm like doing this thing that is like a little uncomfortable. So, you know, I'm not I'm not here to like, you know, lord it over you in any kind of way. Like, I think that makes students feel comfortable being like vulnerable in, in response. And that I would say, like, I've gotten good, like active response, but I think like the sort of side artifacts that I've seen are the most encouraging things, parts of it. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had like negative pushback or response from students? Right. Not from students. And I, and I'm like looking for it. Cause I, I mean, I like, you know, in my mind, because it is like, especially when I first started doing it, I'm like, someone's out there like rolling their eyes. Like, why are you talking about yourself? This isn't about you. And, and like, just personally, like, I don't like <laughs> talking about myself actually. It's like, it's, it's, so it's a funny thing that this is like sort of become my whole philosophy. Like I expected a lot more sort of skepticism from the students of like, okay, I'm here to take chemistry. Like, what are you doing? I've not received it. I have, you know, um, asked specific questions like on my course evaluations about like, not specifically like that one thing, cause that's like a little too like laser focused, but just like what elements made you feel comfortable or uncomfortable or welcome or not. And like trying to open it up to like both inclusive and exclusive things in the class. And I've heard a lot of positive things and I've yeah never heard a negative thing from a student. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you emphasize from a student. Yeah. So tell me about I, the other yeah. side of that. I mean, so, and, and I would say even like from colleagues and things, I haven't like personally had anyone like challenge me about it, but I think there's like some skepticism about it occasionally. And, and the skepticism is like exactly what you would expect. It's like, well, that's just like not relevant to what we're teaching and we've got science to learn here, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that a lot of the time it comes from a place of, you know, just again, feeling like you're here to be professional. Like it's a lack of professionalism in a way, which I understand, <laughs> like that definitely scares me as well. Like, I don't know what it is, but somewhere in the back of instructors' minds, they feel like if they relax a little bit, there's gonna be like anarchy or something, you know what I mean? Like the students are just gonna like take advantage of you in some way. I think that's like, I, it's not a direct thought, but I think that's sort of like, well, if I, you know, let my guard down too much, they're just gonna like walk all over me. And then the one other like skepticism that I think is very valid, is I have had specifically female professors say like, I already have trouble having students like taking me seriously. And so I don't wanna do anything to like jeopardize that. Like I don't like, you know, if I run into a student at the gym or something that like comes back and people will like make comments about it in my evaluations. Like I'm lucky that I've never had anything like that happen if I did. I probably would feel a little bit differently about like putting myself out there in that way. So I think there's valid criticisms. No one has ever said this is you shouldn't do this. Right. It's just like that's not for me for X, Y and Z reason. And that that makes sense. It's like totally an individual choice. And like the way the climate of your classroom is also your own choice. Right. Like if you want it to be a little bit more like professional and, and sort of distanced, there could be good reasons that you want to do that. It's just kind of. I mean, I, these big 
like hundred person science classes. Like we need to, I've, in that case, it feels like we need to do everything we can to make it a little bit more personal, but that's just like kind of from where I stand, what it feels like. In my experience, I feel like when you are vulnerable, you actually like build trust between you and the students and they don't want to take advantage of you as much. You know what I mean? Like, or if they want to ask for something or advocate for themselves, which I think is a good thing, they'll do it respectfully. And if you have like a reason you know, that, you know, oh, I can't actually do that for you in this, in this context, they are more accepting of that because you've sort of established that trust. Um, it's like, you know, a complicated thing to do when our quarters are 10 weeks long, but it's, it's, I think, important and anything we can do to sort of promote that, I think, helps. Yeah. yeah. And I think students notice when instructors feel uncomfortable also. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, even if it's not at the forefront of their thoughts, mm -hmm. they probably are recognizing like you are trusting them mm -hmm. to not, you know, roll their eyes, right. laugh, exactly. et cetera. Right. Yeah. And then they can trust you in return. Yeah. So you've offered something. And that's actually, that's one other thing that I've like noticed just like in my teaching that this has helped. Like, obviously I didn't go in with like all these intentions or whatever, but one thing that like, just like, again, starting starting off more vulnerable has like allowed me to do is I do feel much more comfortable like making mistakes in front of students which I actually think is really important and the way that one handles that is really important most instructors at least like nowadays at least pay a lot of lip service to like making mistakes is part of learning for you the student like you can do it we say you should be comfortable making mistakes in front of us. You shouldn't like get discouraged and, and instructors get like kind of frustrated when students like are intolerant of their own mistakes. But we don't often model that very well. Right. So if we make a mistake in lecture or post something incorrectly, there's a lot of like panicking and like you kind of beat yourself up about it. And I was like starting to recognize I was like, well, if we're telling students to tolerate imperfection and then we are completely intolerant of any time we are imperfect, like that's, there's a disconnect there. And so it makes sense that students would internalize that kind of expectation. And so that's one thing that it's kind of helped me do is like, okay, if I'm not trying to command this persona of like authority and perfect knowledge or whatever the heck it is, like I am able to actually authentically embody the things that I want them to be able to do, which is not easy. And obviously you want to like clarify when you make a mistake, you don't want it to be like confusing, but like, I think being able to do that gracefully with graciousness toward yourself really helps establish that a little bit more honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Enacting the things you want from your students. It, yeah, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so you talked about um, vulnerability being kind of this larger project mm -hmm. for you. So how does this one kind of initial moment in your class fit into a larger scheme of kind of ways that you enact or invite vulnerability in your classroom? Right. So, yeah, the thing about making mistakes, that's like a huge one, just like acknowledging weaknesses or, you know, being able to like, again, just be honest about, like, what is going on. I think that that helps a great deal. 
one way that there's like ongoing vulnerability in the class is I always do these like anonymous drop boxes, which is like a thing a lot of instructors do. But when I first started doing it, it was like that discomfort with the vulnerability was like definitely there because I was teaching lab courses at the time and there was just a lot to be upset about, right? There was like, it was just like a lot of work and students were really stressed and Again, because there is like trust built in the relationship between like I felt like myself and my students, they approached it pretty respectfully. But sometimes it was like a lot. It was like, you know, 20 comments a week about like this is impossible and da 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 da. And it was really important to me to not only like read them, but like acknowledge everything. So, again, they have that outlet. They don't have to reveal who they are and they can kind of like give feedback. But I also try to take either class time or it's like a public forum where there's a response where I can like respond and either. And sometimes like it's great because they'll say something and I'll be like, oh, I didn't structure this in this way with any real rationale and I didn't realize it was going to impact you in this way. So let's change it. You know, so that's the ideal is that you can just change something about like your course structure like just as like a small example like they're like oh the quiz has only six questions and when we get one wrong that's like a huge impact so we'd like if there is like more questions I'm like cool there is six because I thought that was a good number so you can like respond in real time and then the students have a little more agency but then also sometimes there is nothing you can do right it's like the course is structured this way for x y and z reason but it gives you, as an instructor, the opportunity to explain your rationale. So you're like, I know this feels bad. I acknowledge that. But the reason that we're structuring it this way is because we're trying to, like, enhance your learning in X, Y, and Z way. Or, or we're trying to, like, build toward this thing. Or we're trying to hit this objective. And this is the main way in this class that we're able to do that. So we need to hold on to this in this structure. And it, like, allows it to be less of a, like black box where students are just like being pushed through the mill sort of mindlessly and it, it like forces us to be a little bit more reflective as well so that's something that I do like to do in sort of like an ongoing way but was like a little bit difficult at the beginning to just like absorb it all the time yeah yeah that also sounds like a great solution for such a large class right yeah um because I have mostly taken smaller classes um, where sometimes there's a moment in the group for discussion mm -hmm. and the amount of rapport we've built will determine how vulnerable people right. are willing to get. Right. Um, but I, yeah, because that is an option, there's less of that kind of anonymous inviting of feedback. Mm -hmm. um, but that seems perfect for this kind of large yeah. Class size. Yeah. It makes me feel much more comfortable because like when I'm in the big lecture hall and there's just like a sea of people out there, I'm like, surely this isn't feeling great to everyone and there's no way for me to like get that from them. And like as much as we can do to like break down power dynamics, like I am the person that assigns them a grade. So there will be like a power dynamic and, and right. I mean, in some ways, rightfully so, at least a little bit, just like because that's how the structure works. But um Anything, yeah, it just, like, makes me feel super-duper weird that I'm, like, you know, trying to teach a large group of people and I really can't, like, see how it's going for all of them at any one moment, so, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine the students also, like, in addition to the vulnerability you're inviting, they also get that agency, so mm -hmm. I imagine that has impact. I think so, yeah. I feel like a lot of the time, like, especially because we just – 
hear in terms of like inclusivity and stuff that these like like organic chemistry like it has a reputation for being like this is just to weed people out this is just to you know make everybody's life harder you know in in some way or another and so like I think agency is a huge part of that feeling like that just sort of like like helpless feeling like no matter what I I just have to be pushed through this in this way and nobody really cares what my like experience of it is so from what I've heard again feedback that it it feels good on both sides like I know that it feels good for me and I think that the students like really appreciate being able to ask questions in that way and they can ask like content questions too and so the people who aren't as comfortable like walking into office hours and like asking a question um, or sending an email with their name on it with a question can just ask and there's not there's you know no consequence for that yeah okay so there's always this kind of lurking like but how much time and energy mm-hmm. goes into this because you know a lot of instructors are tired mm-hmm. <laughs> and overworked and yeah how how would you kind of quantify or qualify that energy you've put into this yeah, so I that's that is the one great thing about this is that it's easy in terms of like effort, right? In in terms of effort being put in. Like I think that like the actual doing of the like I am it's the first day of class, I'm going to talk about myself for 5 minutes. That's like no that's like almost no work. Um and it builds something that that is ongoing. Now like m- things like responding to an anonymous Dropbox, for example, like if it's getting used heavily, that can be like a big time suck. Right. And so that's something that you want to be able to like monitor and depending on how large your class is and whether you have like TA support, those are all things you want to consider before opening that Pandora's box. But the other thing is when you have like a forum or, or something like that, you don't see those things come in in your course evaluations after there's nothing that you can do about it. Or if they're content questions, then you don't get like a hundred of the same email about the same question or, you know, so in some ways it's more work or it's more time. In other ways, it sort of streamlines things and you can sort of handle things in a more efficient way. But yeah, just revealing something about yourself or like being vulnerable, that is not a whole lot of like labor in the thing that is hard about it is just like the emotional like ramp up before you do it because it does feel weird and like I've done it like a lot of times now and every time I'm just like and like it's it's funny because like I said like lots and lots of validation that's like okay this is like probably a good thing to do but it still like feels wrong to do it sometimes just feels uncomfortable so that's like the cost but in terms of like time, labor, very little cost. And that's very few things are like that. So that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. And from what you've been describing, huge impact Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. that little cost. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just, yeah, inviting your students to also be human Mm -hmm. (laughs) in addition to scientists. 100%. Yeah. That just feels really important. Um, Especially, I mean, I have been teaching for a couple of years and noticed the students much more willing to talk about mental health concerns, yes, exactly. to talk about things outside of school that are impacting them. And so it sounds like the students, from my experience, are already very aware mm-hmm. <laughs> that like life outside of the literal material is, is huge right. and th- that they have to bring their full selves. Right. Um, but it sounds like your practice also lets them know that you know that. 
Right. Yeah. And, and I guess I didn't necessarily describe this part, but another thing that sort of tying like identity to the discipline accomplishes is it sort of absolves this myth, which is that like identity and the discipline of science don't have anything to do with each other, which they like absolutely do. And so like I do kind of connect it in that way. Like I kind of go through like my little spiel and then I, I say like, okay, we're learning like organic chemistry. And then I'm like, this is like science that was done like kind of a long time ago. This is like foundational stuff. And I'm like, so when you flip through the textbook, like this is what it looks like. And then it's like, you know, all the faces and it's just like, you know, old white dude faces. And it's like not surprising, like people know this, but like what that I think accomplishes is I say like, you know, the reason that it looks like this is because these were the people who used to have the privilege of developing the skill set that we're like here to develop, right? Like the ability to like observe something and ask a question and the resources to like investigate that. Like that privilege was only afforded to like certain people at a time. But now we're here and we all get the privilege of like developing that. And A, that's awesome. And B, like a lot of the problems we have right now in a lot of our systems are because these were the only people who were doing science at that time. And like, you know, that's like created like bias in medicine and environmental bias and like all sorts of like structural problems because there is only like a small group of people doing this. So what that means is like your identity is relevant to like the questions that you ask and like the perspective that you bring. And so even though you might not see yourself here, it's actually really important that you do this because like that's going to like change things for the better right it's not just like don't worry you belong even though it's like no your participation is actually like crucial and like considering your identity in this process is not something that should be discouraging it should be like encouraging so I think that that helps too because as you encounter those things throughout the class where it's like there's just no representation here, it's an opportunity to like remind like there's a reason for that and like you should like bring your lived experience into this because it's relevant and it'll make it better actually. Wow, yeah. So not only do you share some of your lived experience outside of science, but then you explicitly invite students right. to be thinking about those things as well. Right, yeah. And I think that that helps because, yeah, a lot of the, like, research on, like, sense of belonging in STEM and stuff, it is, like, well, you can, like, show diverse examples of modern scientists, which is good. Like, I think that that's important, but it doesn't actually address where the lack of representation comes from. And it's sort of, like, I don't know, I feel like it's almost, like, a little tokenizing. It's, like, don't worry, you're fine, go, it's it's good, but, like, it's it really is like more than that it's like you really should like bring exactly like you said like bring your lived experience into this because that's what everyone does and it'll make it like a richer experience for you as well so yeah so now that you have this practice it's pretty well established in your overall kind of teaching method are there any new questions that pursuing vulnerability in the classroom have raised for you? Are there future directions you're looking toward in your teaching, your pedagogy, your approach to your students? Yeah. One thing that's just like structurally changing in the course that I teach, and I'm also like in charge of structuring the organic curriculum now and like evaluating it and stuff. So there's like a lot of like decisions to be made. But one thing that we now have that we didn't have before 
are these TA-led, like, discussion sections. So, like, power dynamics then are, like, become extremely complex because there's, like, an instructor and there's a graduate student TA and there's the students and we're all, like, working at different levels. And so figuring out a good way to create relationships with the TAs that are running those, but also I guess one of the interesting nuances of this, like, be vulnerable advice is that it is like risky depending on what your identity is and like what background you have and so like I don't think it's like generalizable advice to every person but I also think that a lot of the time people don't think to do it just because it doesn't occur to them so like kind of the way to as we're approaching this like new structure where we're gonna have graduate students who are have like you know, they have a, a small group of students that they're going to be instructing on like a smaller level, like not just saying like, here's the worksheet, teach them, you know, a, a, in a general way, but like actually integrating like your identity as an instructor and like the power you hold and like the way that you like, you know, create relationships with your students as part of that instruction there's a whole lot there to like think about in terms of the, these kinds of things and the right degree of vulnerability at all levels. So yeah, there's all sorts of stuff to think about there. So yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So for another faculty member mm-hmm. who's teaching, mm-hmm. who wants to incorporate maybe something similar to this moment of identity sharing, mm-hmm. um, do you have any advice Yeah, I guess my advice would be, like, the fact that it feels uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. I think that it's, like, a lot of the time you're, like, my instincts are telling me this is bad and so I probably shouldn't. Like, there are many, there have been many times where I've, like, felt that way, you know, where I'm, where I'm, like, okay, it would be so much easier. Like, I'm just going to ditch this. I'm, like, just not going to do it because my instincts are telling me that it's, that it's the wrong thing to do. And, and, like, I'm not saying, like, abandon your instincts, but I do think that, like, that fear of, like, vulnerability and the fear of, like, losing power in a context where that power makes you feel safe feels the same as, like, your instincts telling you this is a bad thing to do. So just, like, trying it, like, one time and, like, seeing how it feels, like, pushing through that uncomfortable feeling, just doing that, and then if it was terrible and you hated it like you don't have to ever do it again but just like that that instinct might not be exactly what you think it is yeah Yeah, I mean you make a good point that in in doing that sharing it's kind of going against this kind of status quo of what is professionalism or in your case like what is the scientist and and that it does feel uncomfortable to do that I mean there's a lot of like studies about how like common sense is just your sense of the status quo exactly right exactly And so, yeah, it's very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to do something different, um, but sometimes so important. Well, thank you for speaking with me today and sharing your practice. And also thank you for being vulnerable with your students, because it sounds like it's making a huge impact, a positive impact in your classrooms. For those listening, our next episode will be an interview with Ilya Mickelson, Associate Professor of Instruction in Electrical and Computer Engineering. And we'll be talking about his approach to creating multiple means of assessment in his Introduction to Electrical Engineering course. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Until next time.